Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Points of Insanity Game Studio, Three in general. This is Al, and today we're going to fly away to the astral plane as, again, I talk about the manual of the planes and how one of the planes in that book was inspired or drew from uh, literary, historical, religious, or mythological sources. Now, as I said, today's episode is going to be about the astral plane. And a fun fact before we begin, the uh, intro music that I use for my podcast, that's actually from a song that my band wrote in college called Astral Plane. And I want to talk a little bit about my roommate I had my freshman year. Now, as anyone who's gone to college knows, meeting that first roommate can be a scary or a nervous experience. It's because you never know if you're going to get stuck with someone you can't stand or if you're going to, you know, actually get assigned to be the roommate of someone you actually have some common interests in. Now, when I went to college at UW Oshkosh, originally I was assigned to be the roommate of someone else who went to my school. But later I found out that he had requested that he didn't want to be my roommate. And he told me it wasn't anything personal. It's just that he didn't think they would put two people from the same school in the same you know room together. And I don't know whether he was telling the truth or anything. It, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I mean, this, this gentleman, we, we weren't like bosom buddies. We didn't associate outside of school. We had a couple classes together. But while we weren't exactly friends, there wasn't any animosity between us. So in any case, I'm kind of glad he did, though, because the person I did get as my roommate, Jeff, it turned out that our interests were about 99% identical. Our taste in music was was almost the same. Uh, you know, both of us really loved heavy metal. Uh, not only that, we had some similar hobbies. Both of us had an interest in martial arts. Uh, of course, for me, I didn't start actually taking martial arts until college, but he had previously studied judo. And when I did Eskrima, he was also in my Eskrima class with me. We ended up joining the same live-action role-playing group. And he was also into Dungeons & Dragons. So that made freshman year a lot a lot less nerve-wracking, and it made things go a lot smoother. And unfortunately, I don't get a chance to really speak to uh, Jeff as much anymore. But when my friend Dan from the Radio Free Borderlands podcast came up to Oshkosh as well, he also became friends with Jeff, and we ended up forming a band. In a way, we were kind of like Spinal Tap, in that we had drummers that kept rotating. It's like we just we couldn't really find a drummer that would stick with us. So unfortunately, our band, while we did record a few songs in an actual studio, we never actually got anywhere, never had the chance to actually play any gigs. And part of that is because we couldn't find someone to be the, the lead singer. But um, for the few songs we did record, I played bass and did backing vocals. Dan, he played rhythm guitar and did lead vocals. Uh, Jeff played lead guitar, and then we had various drummers <laughs> over the few years that we tried to form this band. 
And then unfortunately after college, things just kind of, you know, we went downhill from there. Dan and I tried to get the band back together, but unfortunately never really panned out. And I don't know, sometimes I wonder, is there an alternate universe out there where my band, Arcane, if we actually did manage to uh, get out of the piano practice room in the basement of the residence hall and actually did go on to become uh, famous rock stars. So who knows? Maybe there's a version of me somewhere out there that's a millionaire rock star surrounded by screaming beautiful women and selling out arenas every, every week. Anyways, back to today's topic. So, this idea of the astral plane is actually quite old. We find roots of it going back to the days of ancient Greece. Now, the Greeks believed in five classical elements. Air, earth, fire, water, and aether. Aether is often associated with light, and is the element that is found beyond the mortal world. It is this element that the stars are made of. And it's also the element that makes up the human soul. This is why they believe stars and celestial bodies could have an influence over people, because they're made of the same stuff. And I think it was Carl Sagan, the famous astronomer and uh, host of uh, Cosmos, even said the same thing. You know, we are made of star stuff. But in the words of the philosopher Proclus, man is a little world. For, just like the whole, he possesses both mind and reason, both the divine and immortal body. He is also divided up according to the universe. It is for this reason, you know, that some are accustomed to say that his consciousness corresponds with the nature of the fixed stars. His reason, in its contemplative aspect with Saturn, and in its social aspect with Jupiter, as to his irrational part, the passionate nature with Mars, the eloquent with Mercury, the appetitive with Venus, the sensitive with the Sun, and the vegetative with the Moon. It could also be seen as an intermediate state between the physical world and the divine world. Now, this belief would later become something known as astral projection, that we can separate our souls from our body and travel through these realms. Let's go back to our friend Dante. Some people believe that his most famous work, The Divine Comedy, is an example of this spiritual journey through the astral realms as Dante goes from hell to purgatory and finally makes it to heaven. Now, the belief of this ascension is also hinted at in Islam where there are narratives that the prophet Muhammad ascended through seven heavens. We also see a similar belief in the book of Enoch, where Enoch describes being taken on a journey by angels, where he flies over seven mountains, each made of a different material, and is taken to heaven, where he sees a number of angels too great to count. Now, this belief is also hinted at in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2-4, through 4, I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, 
where whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. Now, according to the footnotes of the translation of the Bible that I have, and that's the HarperCollins Study Bible, it's the one that we use for all my the Old Testament and New Testament classes that I took at Oshkosh, uh, the footnotes there say that the person is actually Paul himself who is describing an ecstatic experience. And that these heavenly journeys were popular as a way to claim divine authentication. So this can be seen as a form of religious ecstasy. And this is something one of my religious studies professors, Dr. Wendell Charles Bean, often talked about. Long-time listeners to the show, you have probably remember me mentioning that name here and there, usually when I talk about my religious studies degree. Uh, he was one of the professors that probably had the most influence on my way of thinking. There were a couple others that also had a huge influence on me. Uh, one of them that I took a lot of my uh, Old Testament classes with, uh, Dr. William Erbrock, he often inspired how I would talk about religion or religious subjects with other people. And then another professor that I got a lot of influence from, uh, Professor Kathleen Corley, who I took uh, my New Testament classes with, um, she also influenced me more about the scholarly side. But I'd have to say that Dr. Bean, he really influenced my spiritual or my mystical way of thinking. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense or not. So he often talked of the religious ecstasy. And I think to him, teaching was his own form of religious ecstasy. Because I, again, I mentioned this a couple times, how when he taught... You never knew what was going to happen in class because there would be times where he'd be talking normally and then all of a sudden he would get really quiet and it would almost be like he was having a direct conversation with God. And then the next moment he would be pounding his fists on the table, running around the room, shaking his arms all about. So yeah, he was... uh, he was probably one of the most brilliant people I've ever met, and you, you definitely had to adjust your uh, way of thinking to really appreciate uh, his his classes sometimes. But religious ecstasy is a state of mind where one loses all perception of time and the consciousness is greatly expanded. Other forms of religious ecstasy can include contacting a spiritual entity, entering a trance-like state through the use of drugs, intoxicants, music, meditation, or dance, the revelation of religious information, or even religious conversion can be thought of as an ecstatic experience. Astral projection, as described in role-playing games and popular culture, has its roots in the 19th century religious movement called Theosophy. One of the beliefs of this movement is that there is a secret doctrine that forms the roots of almost all religions. And like Hinduism and Buddhism, the followers of theosophy 
believe in karma and reincarnation, and that the eventual goal is breaking free of this cycle. And as I believe their, their saying is in this religion is that there is no religion higher than truth. Now we see this ability or this belief that the soul can be separated from the physical body in many different cultures. For example, Japanese folklore has a belief in something called in Ikiryo, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but this is when a soul leaves the body, usually with the intention to hunt down someone he has a grudge against, hopefully to curse that person or cause him some type of harm. However, however, other types of Ikiryo are just simply spirits that have temporarily left the body due to severe illness. The Inuit also had a belief that some people possess the ability to leave their body, usually with the intent of gathering information, such as how to cure an illness, or where to look for better hunting grounds. An Amazon tribe called the Waiwai, or Weiwei, uh, W-A-I-W-A-I, they have a tradition called the soul flight, where a person who can perform this action can do so to get information, to consult with a supernatural being, or for healing purposes. And even today in modern times, we hear the occasional story of someone who claims to have had an out-of-body experience. And the person might claim to be seeing doctors or paramedics who are working to save his life. In some cases, the injured person might claim to get a glimpse of heaven or hell. Perhaps they met with a dead relative, or even encountered an angelic being who told him that it wasn't his time yet. And finally, it is also believed that during the Cold War, the U.S. government experimented with paranormal abilities with the hope of creating an, an army of psychic soldiers for uh, various military uses. One of the hopes, and I apologize, I forgot where I read this, um, but one of the hopes was that they would be able to find people who were able to astrally project, and then they could be used as spies. These individuals could, you know, set, in theory, send their soul out overseas somewhere and, you know, go see what the, uh, go observe enemy operations. And they would be able to do this without being seen or detected. Needless to say, such efforts did not come to fruition. Or at least, not that we know of. But anyways, before we get to the astral plane in Dungeons & Dragons, I just want to give a quick shout-out to one of uh, the listeners who contacted me via Twitter. And I apologize, I forgot the uh, Twitter handle. But uh, he said that he enjoyed the Twin Paradises episode, and that usually with these episodes he you know learns a thing or two. So I uh, just want to say thank you for taking the time to contact me over Twitter. And I certainly hope that uh, when I do these episodes where there is historical research involved, that you do learn something new. I know I've learned a 
few things by doing this research. So, and it's something I really enjoy doing as well. So just a quick announcement before we get to how the astral plane is pictured in Manual of the Planes. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater. Nah, it's not that kind of show. It's an RPG actual play podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined by our fun-loving cast. This is Aaron. Jeff here. Johnny is my name. And I'm Jeremy. And what we do is dive in and play various tabletop RPG systems and games, such as Mini 6, Fiasco, Inspectors, Monster of the Week, Fate, and more. But no matter the rule set or setting, some pretty intense storytelling hits the fan. So whether you like epic fantasy, adventure, comedy, sci-fi, horror, or just horrifically bad puns, we've got something to feast your imagination on. Listen to our full episodes and more at BoneThrowersTheater.com. And may the bones fall ever in your favor. And we're back. So in D&D, the astral plane is a means to travel between planes and it's a place with very, very little in the way of native life. Now it's different from the ethereal plane or the way I understand it, the ethereal plane is more or less uh, this misty realm that uh, lies between a prime material plane and then you use it to get to an elemental plane. Whereas the astral plane is what you would do to get to an outer plane, like whether it's the seven heavens, the nine hells, nirvana, or so on. Later versions of D&D would say that this is where gods go if they die or if they're forgotten. So they describe these god isles that are essentially you know, large uh, chunks of mass that are made of the petrified remains of a, of a dead or forgotten god. And the only major god that they talk about having a dwelling here is the Egyptian god Anubis, who we'll talk about uh, momentarily. Well, most of the chapter is devoted to the game mechanics of the astral plane. So how different spells would be affected, uh, how different character classes, how their abilities would be impacted, how to move. Uh, one thing, though, that is not a concern in the astral plane, though, is eating, breathing, sleeping, or drinking. As they describe in the astral plane, time passes so slowly that you'd have to wait hundreds of years before you actually started to feel tired, hungry, or thirsty. So this does give you protection from some types of uh, attacks. For example, a cloud kill spell cast in the astral plane wouldn't affect you, uh, just like a poison. It would not kill you if you failed your saving throw. At least it wouldn't kill you as long as you remained on the astral plane. Once you got to one of the other planes, the poison's going to kick in, so you better hope you have a neutralized poison cast before you get to that point. So it's described as being primarily a gray, featureless void. It's similar to space, because there really isn't any gravity except near the occasional large chunks of matter that broke off of their native planes. So movement can be tricky because you have to kind of, usually got to push yourself uh, off of something to start moving. 
though I think there's also rules for how you would move um, by, you know, force of will. So it's, I think it's based on intelligence. That might be the ethereal plane, I'm not quite sure. But anyways, sometimes you do see wormholes in the astral. So these look kind of like water spouts, and these are just conduits that go to other planes. You can also find color pools here as well. That again, that'll take you to, this is another way you can visit uh, one of the outer planes. Now you can enter one of two ways, either physically or with astral projection, and both ways have their own uh, unique dangers. Now if you astrally project, you're just sending your spiritual essence into the plane, where it looks like a ghostly version of yourself, but it has a silver cord coming out of the back. And this is actually a little bit safer of the two methods because if you die, you're going to get thrown back to your body. There's still a chance that you might die, but if you've got a high enough constitution, you'll probably survive. On the downside, you have to make sure that your astral body or that your physical body is well protected while you're astrally projecting. Now, there are two well-known permanent features in the astral plane, Yggdrasil and Mount Olympus. So according to the Manual of the Planes, any realm where the Norse or the Greek gods have a presence, there's going to be a route from either this mountain or this tree that's going to go to that plane. Now, as I mentioned before, the only historical deity that makes his home here is Anubis. He is the Egyptian guardian of the dead and god of mummification, and he also plays the role of the psychopomp. Now, in a way, it kind of makes sense that he's here, because since he he plays that role as the psychopomp, which is someone that guides the spirits to the afterlife, and while the astral plane is kind of this this way to get from the physical world to the afterlife, again, one of these outer planes, it does kind of make sense that he's here. One legend about him says that he protected the body of the slain god Osiris. The evil god Set had turned into a leopard, but as he approached Osiris, Anubis branded the god with hot iron, and this is why they believed leopards had spots. Anubis then proceeded to skin the leopard set, and wore the bloody leopard hide to serve as a warning to those seeking to do evil. He also became associated with a deity known as Hermenubis. This is a combination of the Greek god Hermes and Anubis. In a way, it is a fitting match, because as said, both of them in their respective pantheons did have the role of the psychopomp that would guide the dead to the afterlife. And from what I understand, this was not uncommon where, especially with the Romans, when they would encounter other cultures, they would try to find a way to connect their deities with the deities of these other cultures. I mean, back in, I think it was my episode on the hero's journey, I mentioned the German, I'm sorry, the uh, Roman historian, 
Tatticus, who wrote a book about his experience traveling among the Germanic people, where he compared three of their gods, Tiwaz, Woden, and Thor, or Thuner, to three of his gods, Jupiter, Hercules, and Mercury. Well, back to Anubis. He's usually pictured in an event called the Wane of the Heart. And chances are you've seen a picture of this. It's been depicted many, many times in ancient Egyptian artwork. And in the Wane of the Heart, Anubis stands next to a scale where the deceased heart is weighed against the feather of Ma'at, which is truth or justice. This event is watched over by the god Thoth, as well as a monster named Amit. Amit is often pictured as having a crocodile's head, the front body of a lion, and the rear body of a hippo. She represents the three most dangerous animals known to the Egyptians. Now, if the heart is lighter than the feather, the soul is judged to be pure and is allowed to move on to the afterlife. It is heavier, then the heart is devoured by Amit. Now, depending on the text you consult, this could mean either complete and total annihilation of the soul, or it meant that the soul would be forever doomed to roam the world as a restless spirit. Now, Egyptian funeral texts often provide examples of something called the negative confession. So, this is a statement of things that you didn't do, as opposed to things that you did. Now, there are various versions of the negative confession, or sometimes known as the Declaration of Innocence. One of the most well-known comes from a text known as the Papyrus of Ani. Now, in this version, the soul gives the Declaration of Innocence to 42 judges that he did not commit 42 different sins. Some of them, for example, include, I have not stolen. I have not uttered lies. I have not committed adultery. I am not a man of deceit. I have never stopped the flow of water to a neighbor. And so on. And uh, also in that text, some of the things that he's confessing to not doing actually were pretty similar. Like I think, uh, you know, like I said, not uttering lies and not being a man of deceit. You know, they're kind of similar, I guess. And I even think the names of some of the judges are repeated as well. Well, that's about all I have to say about the astral plane for now. So I hope I have not been boring and I hope I have been educational and entertaining for these uh, last however many minutes. Yeah, you know, about the last 30 or so minutes of the show here. And just as a special treat, um, after the usual end of the show stuff, uh, going to include that song that I told you about at the beginning of the show, Astral Plane. And again, this was written by my band in college, uh, we recorded it at Garage in the Sky Studio on Main Street in Oshkosh. Uh, there was a store there called Mainstream Music where um, it, it had two levels. 
the bottom level, that's where they sold new and used instruments, um, music accessories, you know, guitar tuners, any amps or chords you need, uh, sheet music, things like that. And then at the top, that Garage in the Sky studio. And that's where we recorded uh, this, as well as a few other songs. So it was quite an experience being in the studio. I uh, had a lot of fun, and, you know, as I said, definitely something that I wish I would have had more of an opportunity to, to do. But anyways, I hope you enjoy uh, Astral Plane. Again, uh, sung by my good friend Dan from the Radio Free Borderlands, with uh, him also on rhythm guitar, our friend Jeff on lead guitar, myself on bass and doing the backing vocals, and our drummer for this one, his name was Kurt. So with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. Have a good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio. Do you do a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons, role playing games, video games? or other topics of geek interest? Would you like to cross-promote your podcast on geekery in general? Then drop us a line on our Facebook page at POI Game Studio or POI Network, or contact us through our website at POIGamestudio.com, and we'll set something up.